Hey, it's Luke Burbank. This is Livewire Radio. We're backstage at Revolution Hall here in Portland, and we have an amazing show. We've got David Bronner, head of Bronner's Magic Soap. Also, Will Hines is here, and this guy, singer-songwriter Jason Isbell. Jason, because we got the soap guy here, we're calling this show Coming Clean. You came clean in the New York Times talking about your hatred of the unnecessary apostrophe. Yeah, I don't like that. And I don't like the leaving out of the apostrophe when it is necessary. I read that this strikes a, a real personal note for you because your own father is making this mistake on his home. He is. The door says uh, the Isbells, as in the house that belongs to one Isbell. It's Isbell apostrophe S. And that technically would be true had he not remarried after divorcing my mother. It's interesting that your frustration about the divorce is really based around grammar. Yeah, I got over all the rest of it. My grammar was hurt the worst in the whole situation. <laughs> so on the radio, it's not that bad, you know, and you can't really tell where the apostrophes are on the radio. Yeah, that's the only way they've let me do the show for as long as they have. <laughs> Speaking of which, let's get out there on stage and uh, do this. From PRI, Public Radio International, it's... Live Wire! Recorded in front of a live audience at Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon, it's Live Wire! With soap pioneer and hemp activist David Bronner, comedian Will Hines, and music from Jason Isbell and our fabulous house band. And now, the host of Livewire, three-time North American shower team captain specializing in the loofah, Luke Burbank! Thank you, Jason Rouse. Thank you, everybody, for coming out here to... Revolution Hall in Portland, Oregon. We got a great show for you. That's right. Uh, our theme this hour is coming clean, which is something I have personal experience with. <laughs> Here's what happened. Uh, for the last couple of years, I have been really obsessed with the idea of buying a boat because I like to make terrible financial decisions. <laughs> And so I found this boat, and I decided I really wanted to buy it. But I had a sense that if I uh, ran that idea by my wife, she would take a dim view of that because her thing is making good financial decisions. And so what I ended up doing was buying the boat but not exactly telling her. <laughs> that is the exact right sound, sir. Horrified. No, that is the sound you should make when someone says they bought a boat and did not tell the person they're married to. Um, I got the boat, and much like Don Rumsfeld and George W. Bush, I, I basically didn't realize that the acquiring of the thing was going to be the easy part. It was the managing of it later on that was going to get really complicated because... There's no way for me to come clean on this boat. I'm not going to, like, pull up in the boat and go, look what I found. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out what to do, and I hatch a plan, and the plan is I'm just going to wait until we're in a different fight to bring it up. <laughs> just really double down on the enmity in the relationship at that moment. And my buddy was like, why don't you wait until you're having a wonderful afternoon, like picnicking in a field of tulips? And I said, because that will be the end of the wonderful afternoon, the second I say this. So I waited uh, maybe a week or so, and eventually uh, it happened. We were having one of those back-and-forth text conversations that was getting a little testy. We were disagreeing, and I was in another city, so I felt physically safe enough um, to break this news. And I did, and they don't make an emoji that shows something's eyes rolling back in its head so hard that the retinas detach. But if they had that, my wife would have used it because she was not happy with me. And she had every reason to be not happy with me. When you are married, you're supposed to be a team, and that is not a good team move to buy a boat. It's like you're doing a trust fall, and the person doesn't catch you because they're on their 1958 Chris Craft Cavalier. Thank you. At least these folks approve of the boat purchase, so there's that. Can I live with you? So a 
couple of months go by, and we're just not really talking about the boat a whole lot. <laughs> That's my strategy at that point. And I wasn't really sure what was going to happen going forward. Like, how were we going to get sort of past this? And then Christmas rolled around, and to my total shock and surprise, under the tree, wrapped up, were a bunch of books about that specific kind of boat that I have, and these uh, boat wine glasses, which weigh more on the bottom so they don't fall over when you're at sea. And it was my wife's way of saying to me, dude, there's a better way to handle boat acquisition, and I could probably just be mad at you for the rest of our life over this, but I don't want to live the rest of our life this way, so let's just have some wine on your damn boat. <laughs> and it was a really... It was a breakthrough for me because I realized, like, oh, this is a, a, an important thing in a relationship. It's important to know uh, when you're in the right. It's important to know when you're in the wrong. And it's important to know when you're in the right, but you're going to cut the other person some slack. <laughs> and we went on the boat, and we drank wine, and it was so fun. It was way better than I thought it was going to be. And I owe that whole experience to my wife being way better at being married than I am. <laughs> and we went on the boat, and we drank wine, and it was so fun. It was way better than I thought it was going to be, and I owe that whole experience to my wife being way better at being married than I am. <laughs> and, and just one other thing, not related to that, but since we're coming clean, and this is actually feeling kind of good to get this off my chest, I was a little bit late for the sound check today, and I told someone it was because there was traffic, but it was because I was watching a documentary about the Iron Sheik on Netflix. <laughs> which is also really good. You should check it out. Hey, um, we're talking about coming clean tonight, and, and on the subject of which, it has long been understood that some of our best ideas come when we are in the shower, right? But the question is why. Why would that happen? And it actually, it turns out, according to Wired Magazine, psychologists say it's because of a mental state called the default mode network wherein our minds become more engaged when we're doing physical tasks that are familiar enough to last long enough for us to have a, quote, uninterrupted stream of thought. So we thought we would put this theory to the test on tonight's show. And to help us do that, please welcome our own Andrew Harris. Hi, Luke. Hi, Andrew. Uh, I'll describe your uh, outfit for the radio audience. You have on a bathrobe, a, um, a beautiful, I don't know, maybe chartreuse uh, sash that's tying the whole thing up, and uh, a, like a loofah type of thing. What are you, what are you working with here? Yeah, uh, head writer Courtney Hommeischer brought this loofah, I'm putting it in quotes, because it looks just kind of like a piece of pink fabric softener. Yeah. I, mean, I thought loofahs were supposed to be fluffy and... If I learned anything from Bill O'Reilly... It's that those are a long, weird kind of burrito-looking yeah, burrito, thing you wash they're, with. Yeah, light brown. And then I have this back cleaning kind of thing here. Okay, so, so this is a real thing we're doing, by the way. This is not a put-on. We happen to have a shower backstage here at Revolution Hall. You know, this used to be a high school. And you are going to shower throughout the show to see if you get any brainstorms? I'm going to shower throughout the entire show. And there's a mic set up back there, and there's a monitor, so I will hear your voice, and I will occasionally check in. What is the longest shower you think you've ever taken before this? 20 minutes, maybe, tops? This so this is, is going to be like an hour-long... I mean, do you, do you feel like your skin can even handle that much rejuvenation? I'm going to be really pruney. I'm assuming I will be. Now, do you have any specific goals while you're in the shower? Because we're trying to test this theory of if... Being in the shower is really where one gets one's great ideas. Yeah, I've never really known that to be true. Um, and I was told not to really think of anything ahead of time. You know, I thought about what robe I was going to wear on stage. But come to think of it, like my lawn in our backyard, it was short all winter. But like in a period of one week, it grew like three feet tall. And I have to mow that. And my dad is like, oh, you're going to need a scythe. And so you're just going to ruminate on that in the shower? Well, in this day and age, nothing should be solved by the use of a scythe, right? <laughs> so the thing is, is like you can't mow it. The mower will get clogged. Yeah. So, I mean, I may not come to the solution in the shower, but I'm hoping I might. I'm going to be curious to see if you, if you actually can figure something out. All right, Andrew Harris, ladies and gentlemen. 
very, really and truly going back to a shower. I feel like I need to clarify and say once again, this is not some radio sketch bit. We actually have a shower back there. There is a monitor set up and a microphone. Jason Rouse, our announcer, is going to be back there interviewing Andrew periodically throughout the show. <laughs> this is really happening, you guys. All right, our next guest is that guy who you may not know his name yet, but you keep seeing him on some of your favorite shows, and he's being really funny. Shows like Community, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Inside Amy Schumer. He also played the creepiest potential roommate in history on the show Broad City, where he explained to one of his would-be female roommates that she'd need to stay in a hotel when he went to the bathroom because when he went, he really went. He did offer to pay for the hotel room. Anyway, please welcome the very funny Will Hines to Livewire. Yeah, all right. How's it going? Yeah, yeah, what a great introduction. Yeah, I am a professional creep. It is weird to be going to acting and you're not like a classic leading man type, you really find out what people think of you because you get brought in for like the same types of roles over and over again. So far, like in the last couple months, I've auditioned for Angry Dad, Resigned Boss, Defeated Teacher, Angry Teacher, Creepy Dad. What am, go with my strengths? Don't help me, sir. <laughs> The universe has given me that advice already. <laughs> uh, well, Portland, it's um, really fun to be here. I'm visiting from Los Angeles. I went to, I, I think I'm going to say this right, Multnomah Falls today. It's beautiful. But uh, driving on the highway, I saw a really disturbing sign. It just said, rocks. That's a terrifying sign to see with no other information. Just reminding me of the existence of rocks. Not like, beware of them, or like, we're protecting you, just like, don't say we didn't warn you, there are rocks. That was something. The other thing I've noticed about Portland is your wonderful zoning laws, and I don't mean how the buildings are all short in downtown, I mean how the names of all your businesses have to be extra Portlandy. I assume. Uh, my favorite was Fair Trade Elephant Gifts, 20% of which goes to saving elephants, right? And then a couple blocks away from Working Class Acupuncture. I used to live in Brooklyn, let me tell you, and all the construction workers I walked by, I'd always hear them say, like, hey, man, I wish there was some acupuncture for us. <laughs> hey, man, they got to go to Portland for Working Class Acupuncture. They just like somebody stabbed you the needles like forget about it, forget about it, forget about it, forget about it. <laughs> uh, I don't know if anybody here ever uh, lies in ways that doesn't help you. That's something I do. Um, I have a very elderly landlady and I don't like to tell her that I do stand-up comedy because I just don't want to get into it. You know, people want to say like, be funny. It's like, I can't, not that, I don't know how. So once I was leaving my apartment to go do stand-up, and I ran into her, and she's like, where are you going? And I was, I was like, uh, uh, I'm just going to shoot some hoops. <laughs> it was like 10 o'clock at night. I look like this. I've never shot a hoop. I don't know why I thought that would be normal. I quit drinking a couple years ago, and it really improved the quality of my iTunes purchased playlist. Because I used to always buy music in bars after two in the morning. I bought Natalie and Brulia's Torn three different times. I bought Life as a Highway. Bought that song by Skilo, I Wish I Was a Baller, I Wish I Was a Little Bit Taller, that one, whatever, bought that. I think like iTunes should work with the police. If somebody buys like more than four songs from Steve Miller's Greatest Hits after three in the morning, just send the police car right to them. They shouldn't be driving. I'm trying to read more. Uh, the trouble is I read books that I wish I'd read in high school, like I, and you can't talk about them. Like, I just read The Great Gatsby. and you, Yeah, sure, sure, right. But you can't, like, talk about it because you sound like an idiot. You can't go into a conversation, hey, you know what a good book is? The Great Gatsby. 
That's like saying to somebody like, hey, you know what a good canyon is? Grand Canyon. <laughs> Trust me, I'm a connoisseur of canyons. Uh, just just uh, one more thing here. I um, have a TV show pitch, and it's based on the observation that there's a lot of TV shows that are basically just solving problems. Like police procedurals, like NCIS, that just sort of like, who killed this guy? This guy did. You know, or like things like Mythbusters and a lot of shows like that are like, how does this work? Here's how it works. Or like reality shows, like which girl will he pick? This dumb girl, or whatever. <laughs> I don't watch the show. But a lot of, you know, and I think it really appeals to a human being's, like, problem-solving nature. Like, we're just, like, tool makers. We're like, how do you do this? How do you do this? So, my TV show pitch is the cheapest TV show you'd ever have to make. It's just a knotted snarl of yarn. <laughs> the show starts with that. And then two hands descend into the frame and just start pulling at the yarn. I think you could put that on TV. People would, like, walk in their living rooms. At first, they'd be like, what is this? What is this nonsense? But then after a couple seconds, they'd be like... What's he pulling that part for? He pulled that part over there. That, do that, it'd be really easy. Next day at work, everyone's like, hey man, did you see yarn last night? It was all tangled up and then it wasn't. Great show. That's it for me. My name is Will Hines. Will Hines, ladies and gentlemen, right here on Livewire Radio. That was Will Hines, and you are listening to Livewire, brought to you in part by Whole Foods Market, whose milk is free of RBST, because while recombinant bovine somatropin sounds delicious, <laughs> strangely may not be that great for you. Uh, Whole Foods Market, values matter. More information can be found at wholefoodsmarket.com. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, it's Luke, and... Look, you may have forgotten your New Year's resolution by now, but our sponsor, Ergo Depot, has a new one for you, and it is the easiest one ever. Sit less. How's that for an achievable goal? It's not like run a marathon or bench 250. In fact, there's no benching of any kind. You just need to move a little more. And maybe think about getting a swanky new desk like the Jarvis, which morphs itself into a standing desk with just the touch of a button. Visit ergodepot.com and they'll set you up for goal-setting success. Now we do need to talk about your personality. All right, welcome back to Livewire Radio from PRI. I'm your host, Luke Burbank. Hey, some of you may know this week's musical guest from his six-year stint in the Southern Rock outfit, Drive-By Truckers. But back in 2007, he left the band to strike out on his own to great critical acclaim. His songwriting has been compared to Springsteen and Elvis Costello. His latest record is Southeastern. Please welcome Jason Isbell to Livewire. Thank you. Accompanying me over here on the fiddle is my wife, Amanda Shires.
Thank you. Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires, right here on Livewire Radio. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. That was beautiful. Um, I, I read, uh, Jason, that you grew up in the church. In, I did. In pretty, and uh, like some people think, oh, church, like you went to church on Sundays, but then there's like growing up in the church, like. I had a similar right. background, and I gravitated towards the music because it was the least boring part of what was happening. <laughs> was that an appeal for you? I mean, did you get musical in, in the church? Well, my family was a little bit separated uh, as far as that went. So that my father's side, uh, his dad was a Pentecostal preacher, and uh, my mom went to the Southern Church of Christ church with her parents and grandparents. And that one was very quiet, very restrained. Uh, you know, there were no instruments allowed, uh, uh, you know, it was one of those, but the Pentecostal church was the opposite. They had, uh, you know, electric guitars and drums and bass guitar and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I had a couple of issues. Once when I was, I was really little, I would switch out and I would go to one church one weekend and then go to the other church the next weekend. And, and I went, I was about five years old and I went to my, 
my dad's family's Pentecostal church. And when they start praying, they all pray out loud at once. And it's not rehearsed. It's not the same prayer. Some of them are speaking complete gibberish. But they all just say it at one time. Those people have been touched by the Holy Spirit. They have. They have. They've been touched by something, for sure. Um, (laughs) But then the next week, I went to my mom's church. And it's very, very quiet. Nobody ever speaks out of turn. And uh, it's very reverential. And when it came time to pray, I just jumped up and started screaming out in gibberish. And I was the only person in the church who did it. And my mom, I I still remember her grabbing me by the nape and saying, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. I I grew up in a church where everybody everybody spoke in tongues. And me and my sisters would do impressions of the people speaking in tongues. And then we'd have to try to call who it was. Yeah, because you just tend to fall back on the same phonetic kind of gibberish. Yeah, it is. It's kind of like how everybody's, uh, everybody's fake accent becomes Eastern European after yeah. a certain amount of time. Exactly. Are you guys both from Alabama, or is that just you, Jason? She's from Texas. Okay. Which is a church in, into Texas. itself. Yeah, it's the whole state. Hi, we'll say hi to our uh, station, KUT in Austin. KUT. We, we love Texas. We do love Texas. Um, I, I heard you talking about how you were a big fan of Alabama's old state motto. Right, yeah. Uh, I, named a, I named an album after that. Here We Rest was a state motto. And I actually got that idea from a, a fellow named Scott Miller who had an album called Thus Always to Tyrants back in the day when he was in Virginia. But um, uh, Here We Rest was Alabama's state motto for a little while after the Civil War. And then they decided that was a little bit... Uh, uh, yellow of them so now it's something like give me a gun and uh, you know <laughs> whatever is latin for guns and beer we want to say hi to a station we used to be on in alabama <laughs> yeah they cut that funding thanks bentley thanks buddy uh the theme of uh, of this episode of livewire is coming clean is there anything either of you guys feel like coming clean on in public radio in portland oregon I'm trying to think. I can't keep secrets anymore. I'm a recovering alcoholic, so I have nothing left that's a secret. It's no fun at all. I have to just immediately tell everybody what I'm thinking all the time. It's not a beer belly. I'm pregnant. Yes. Aww, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> how, long, uh, how long has the word been out on that? Well, a couple months. We found out that it's a girl this past weekend, so that's very exciting. I'm very happy about that. But, you know, I, I, I told her going into the, the, the ultrasound where we were going to find out. I said, you know, we won't really ever know. <laughs> so every, uh, I was watching a lot of videos of you playing, uh, and uh, you, the two of you play together all the time. You travel all the time. You're married. You're, you're work, you've got a baby in the oven now. And you guys don't get tired of each other? Nope. No. <laughs> really, no. Never. No. I mean, sometimes for like 30 seconds, you know. During a song or just like when you're at the hotel? <laughs> it could happen at any time. Um, you know, and then we, then we figure out how to, how to get around that, how to solve that, that problem. Any advice? You guys seem very smitten with each other. A lot of Netflix. <laughs> that was not what I thought you were going to say. <laughs> That's what we call it. Ah, I get it. All right. Well, that's our cue. Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires will be back out here in a bit. Thanks, you guys. That was Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires, and you are listening to Livewire, the public radio show that keeps getting its mouth washed out with soap, oddly enough, by Linda Wertheimer. Part of her formal responsibilities, apparently. Our theme this week is coming clean, and our next guest is perfect person to talk to about that. His grandfather, Emanuel Bronner, brought the family's liquid soap recipe to the U.S. from Germany in 1929 and started Dr. Bronner's, a soap with a cult-like following and maybe the most bizarre label in the history of things to ever be sold. <laughs> David Bronner is now president of Dr. Bronner's and has carried on his grandfather's legacy as well as creating one of his own for his activism, including fighting for hemp legalization, which he did by planting hemp in the DEA's backyard. Literally, in their actual backyard. Uh, He was arrested for that, by the way. He's here on what we assume is a long furlough from jail. Please welcome David Bronner to Livewire. (laughs) 
Welcome to the show, David. How did this soap start out? Uh, well, my uh, granddad was himself a third-generation master soap maker from a German-Jewish soap-making family. Uh, he was uh, uh, raised in the guild system of the time, apprenticed to another master soap maker, um, and, uh, but he had a lot of generational conflicts with his father and uncles who were running the show in the you know, rising tide of fascist hate. Uh, this is in Germany around what year? 29. So 29, he's 21. He, come, he bails. He comes over here, becomes a consultant to the U.S. soap industry. But he left yeah. Germany not because of Hitler, but because of his dad was on his nerves? Yeah, mostly. Mostly. I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, it became, you know, obviously it became very, obviously, uh, frantic and tried to get the family out. And his two sisters got out, but not his parents who were gassed. In, in the post-war period of, you know, right, right after World War II, Better Living Through Chemistry takes off. Uh, everything's being based on petrochemicals, agriculture, plastics. And in personal care, detergents, body washes all become petrochemical detergents. The soaps that were, you know, these old world quality soaps that, were, that he brought with him were no longer in vogue. And so he struck out on his own, along with his peace plan, which he felt in a world of nuclear weapons that the next Holocaust, you know, we're all going down if we don't realize our transcendent unity across religious and ethnic divides. And that, that message is on every label of, of soaps that he sells. Let's Just actually, like let's talk about yeah. this label a little bit. Yeah. Uh, did I hear right that your grandfather made you memorize parts of this label? Yes, but fortunately he was blind, so we could... Uh, you know, fake it pretty well, pretty easy. <laughs> what, what would you say the organizing principle of your grandfather's life was and what all of this writing was trying to sort of transmit to the world? Yeah, I mean, it's overall coming from a genetic context. I mean, that's a lot of Hillel there in the mm -hmm. opening lines, you know, like, you know, if, if not for, if, if only for me, who am I? But, um, you know, basically, he's saying, like, you know, Jesus, Muhammad, Buddha, everyone, all these giant spiritual giants at their heart are saying the same thing. We have to realize our transcendent identity with the creator, with, with life, with each other. And, you know, he felt all the wisdom traditions and all these spiritual giants were saying this. And he tried to show this on the label and just say, like, look, every person speaks to God in their own language. There's no language God doesn't understand. You know, just kind of like the Bob Marley, one love. That's, that's what he was, you know, 24-7 trying to do and was so. he really like that in his real life yeah he was he was coming off the mountaintop pretty much all the time like he did not <laughs> you know he did not want to talk about you know you know dinner or the padres it was it was all like we must unite this spaceship earth so he he has been described <laughs> there's a great documentary about him as well but he's been described as somebody who is a genius and who is really passionate some people wonder if he had a, a screw loose, what do you think is the most accurate way to describe him? Yeah, well, I think the line between, you know, mystical genius and kind of schizophrenic break, I mean, can be a little, a little you know, fine sometimes. Yeah. But, I mean, I think, you know, basically he's like the Old Testament prophets, like wandering the desert, you know, talking about God all the time, you know. Think like, about how much cleaner you know? he was than the Old Testament prophets. Uh, yeah, I exactly. mean, there was that was an upside yeah. to the soap. yeah business yeah right like john so, the baptist did not smell like dr bronner's magic soap. no no he had it you know all pepperminty and <laughs> and people were coming to to sell the, to buy the soaps more than what he had to say so he put what he had to say on the soaps and yeah he's connecting with you in your default mode network in that intimate bathing space and yeah. elevating you with that peppermint tingle so <laughs> We're talking to David Bronner, by the way. He is the president of the uh, Dr. Bronner's Magic Soaps Company. I want to ask you one other thing before we, before we run out of time here, uh, and this is about your hemp activism. Isn't it only a matter of time uh, before hemp is allowed on a wider scale, certainly for con commercial production? I mean, uh, recreational marijuana is legal in this state, as we can tell by that woman who's wooting. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of other places. It seems like if recreational marijuana is no longer a taboo, how long can something like hemp, which is an industrial product, how long can that be considered illegal? Right. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, I mean, I thought 15 years ago we were going to get industrial hemp, you know, recommercialized. Canada, you know, recommercialized in 98. And it's ridiculous that, you know, we have to have full cannabis reform to get a non-drug agricultural crop, crop out of Schedule 1. 
But evidently, that's what we have to do as a society is get, you know, liberate the whole plant so then this part, which is the most ridiculous part of the drug war, can finally be free. And, you know, it never was. I mean, the, the varieties of cannabis for bred for fiber and seed were never psychoactive right. or drug Where varieties. do you get the hemp from that goes into Dr. Bronner's magic soaps? Uh, it comes all from Canada. And, and I also got arrested in front of the White House harvesting hemp plants, yelling at Obama, like, why, are, why is my family sending hundreds of thousands of dollars to Canadian farmers in the middle of the, you know, the worst recession ever? This wait, wait, so you're the head of a company that generates, what I read is more than $64 million a year. Hmm. You go to the White House and you're like, Obama, and you're, and you're harvesting hemp? Yeah, well, I had a, I had a cage, a specially built cage. So the oh, cops you had a cage, well, sure it, then. You know, because it was a sea of, obviously, five different kinds of police, like, and it took a long time for them to get at me because we had a real, you know, thought-out plan. Like, we jacked up the cage so they couldn't, like, tow us away and... You know, I was on the mic actually a lot longer than I thought. See, so I thought they were going to get me on like half an hour max, but it was like three hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you were able to... Yeah. You were able to basically make the argument, what, that, that hemp as an industrial product should not be... Yeah, it should uh, not be part of the drug illegal. war. That Obama had come to office you know, promising his policy would be based on science and rationality, and as an Illinois state senator had voted twice for industrial hemp, uh, uh, commercialization, and yet, you know, four years into his term, still the same drug warriors in place, the same like asinine policy. So yeah, just calling him out on it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, David Bronner, president of Dr. Bronner's Magic Soaps. Thanks for coming on Livewire, man. All right, this is Livewire Radio. Our theme this week, Coming Clean, as we mentioned at the top of the show, Andrew Harris at Backstage in the shower, and we're trying to find out if it's really true that we get some of our best ideas while we're in the shower. Uh, we've got our announcer, Jason Rouse, also standing, I assume, awkwardly next to the shower right now. Uh, Jason, yeah. can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? Yes, you're coming through loud and clear. Oh, I also, that's good. I hear the shower. How is Andrew doing? He, he, Andrew, Andrew's been in there for quite a while. Hello? I'm putting my hand in. I'm touching Andrew. He's swatting it away. All right. He's warm. There's a slight prune on his torso. Andrew, just, I'm not going to... Oh, I, his fingers are gross. His okay. fingers are officially gross. He how, smells great, though. How about the uh, ideas? Is he coming up with any brilliant ideas? Andrew, how are the ideas? Well, nothing really so far, but I, I really sold that loofah short. <laughs> I mean, it's shaped that way because I can form it into any shape that I want. So if I want it long and flat, I can have that, or I can bunch it up into a ball and use it that way. Andrew, I'm gonna actually I'm gonna touch his back and I'm gonna feel what the loofah's done. I'll just mention if you're just joining us. Oh my God! The loofah that Andrew has yeah. is kind of more like a like a shawl or something. We were initially underwhelmed at its shape, but it sounds like it's really well, doing it's, the job. Well, it's more about function than form because his back and arms are incredibly smooth. All right, um, I'm glad that you're enjoying it, Andrew. But I'd like to hear more on the uh, lawn-related problem you were going to try to puzzle over. So maybe see if you can make some progress on that in the next 15, 20 minutes. Okay? Will do, Luke. All right. Our own Andrew Harris, very much in an actual shower here at Revolution Hall and also Jason Rouse. Hey, speaking of Revolution Hall, if you're going to be here, you ought to swing by and uh, check out the edition of Livewire that we will be recording. You can find out much more about that episode at livewireradio.org. We'll be back in a moment. Livewire is brought to you in part by Alaska Airlines, now featuring Alaska Beyond Entertainment allowing passengers to watch movies, TV shows, and exclusive content on their own mobile devices. Because Alaska knows, time flies when you're having fun. More information at alaskaair.com slash beyond. All right. Most of us live with at least a little bit of guilt in our lives, whether it's because we ate a tuna salad sandwich out of the office refrigerator that didn't have our name on it, or maybe because we shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. We all have the need to confess, and to that end, 
because our theme is coming clean this week, we've given our audience here confession cards and asked them to tell us something they've never been able to tell anyone. And hopefully, through the assistance of our cast, they can come clean a little bit and finally get a good night's sleep. Here now is LiveWire's audience comes clean, starting us off, Sean McGrath. Yeah, Luke, I, uh, I got one here from Jay, and not only is it just the initial J, but it's also in quotes. So someone is really going to great lengths to hide their identity. Um, here we go, Jay. I babysat these two four-year-old twins and would occasionally lie and tell their mother they behaved way worse than they did just so she'd feel bad and oftentimes give me more money. <laughs> so I don't know what to, to what length these kids were punished for their um, fraudulent or, or imaginary bad behavior, but uh, good job, Jay. A couple extra bucks. Yeah, on his grind. I guess for your penance, Jay, and sort of a secular penance, we're going to give you, um, you have to babysit me for a weekend. Oh. No 20 bucks for pizza, uh, no long-distance phone calls. It's just you and me, man, or lady, whoever you are. Quote, unquote, Jay. Atonement. Thank, Thank you, Sean. Sean McGrath, ladies and gentlemen. I should mention, by the way, that we are offering penance for these, which is not really authorized by any religious body, but we're going to do it anyway. Courtney Hommeister. Um, this one is from Yoko. Um, Yoko is their uh, <laughs> fake name. Uh, I once put a nail in the tire of the car of a man who was cheating on me. I feel zero remorse. Wow. Um, I mean, so, uh, the, the thing about penance and, and atonement is that you generally have to feel badly for doing what you did in order to perform those acts. So I'm assuming, Yoko, that you're not going to do any of this penance, but um, what I am prescribing for you is um, 10 Alanis Morissette's You, you Oughta Knows, uh, 20 Julia Sugarbaker rants from Designing Women, those are horrible to watch, and I want you to do 20 of them. And then just one viewing of the Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants with your mom. Good luck, Yoko. Yeah, you made that bed, Yoko. Now you've got a lie in it. Thank you, Courtney exactly. Hommeister. Because one of our cast members is still in the shower. Andrew Harris actually has a, uh, an audience uh, message, an attempt by an audience member here to come clean. Uh, Andrew, what do you have for us? Okay, this is, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you just fine, buddy. This is from, we'll just call her Julia. Uh, I will often pretend to be asleep in order to avoid dealing with my husband's kids. And I just want to tell you, Julia, that, that children are magical, beautiful <laughs> beings of light. But, well, some of the time. But other times they are hellishly annoying hobgoblins. So I'm just going to break the rules and I'm going to I'm going to agree with you on this one. So your penance is go out and buy yourself like a nice dinner. And just you know, just treat yourself right for just one night. Cuz that's something I would do. Anyway, I'm going to back back to my shower now. All right, thank you, Andrew. That was um an interesting response to a borderline child neglect situation, but all right. Now that is what we call LiveWire's Audience Comes Clean. Thank you very much, Courtney Hommeister, Sean McGrath, Jason Rouse, and the very soggy Andrew Harris. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires to LiveWire. Long ago we laughed at shadows like 
Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires right here on Livewire. Before we go, we've got to get our cast member, Andrew Harris, back out here from the shower where he has been backstage for the last hour or so. Andrew, please. Hobble. You look really bad, Andrew. What's, what's going on? I've been underwater for like 45 minutes. Do we have enough hot water here in Rev Hall for that shower? It got a little... What's strange is that there's actually a temperature gauge on the, on the shower, which I've never seen before. And I went from red, and it was getting pretty blue. Okay, so it was colorful, but did you have any inspiration? We started this off because we read in Wired magazine that you have great ideas when you're in the shower because basically you're doing something that doesn't take up a lot of your brain's attention so you're in a kind of good space to have breakthroughs. Did you have any breakthroughs? Well, I, th I thought about a lot of weird things because I was just in there for so long and there's like a chair in there which I don't maybe it's for handicap accessibility but I've never sat down in the shower before. But I thought of two things. I, one of them was uh, head writer Courtney Hommeister brought me a ladies razor and I've never used one before. And They're wonderful. She, I use my wife's all the time. There's like three blades on it. And, and I just realized that men's razors, like there's been this sort of like nuclear proliferation in the yeah. marketing where you get more and more. It used to be like, oh, it has got four blades. It's powerful. And now there's like 17 blades yeah. on them. And it's because of this sort of masculine you know, battle that's been going on in the marketplace. And I don't think that's happened with ladies' razors. I don't know. Maybe ladies' razors do sell it, them with like 16 blades. But... You've been in the shower a long time, buddy. Time. You're having a lot of interesting thoughts. Yeah. Did you get anywhere with the lawn mowing situation? You started this saying your lawn has gotten too long to cut with a lawn mower. You don't know what to do. Your dad wanted you to harvest it with a scythe. Yeah, he wanted like me to use a scythe. Iowa in the 1830s or something. Yeah, or like I'm some kind of reaper. And I want to say that I honestly did think that was a stupid idea, and I didn't want to do it. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. And I, and I really dismiss it out of hand. But I was in the shower thinking about it. I'm like, what else am I going to do? I'm going to weed whacker, or I could like lift the lawnmower up. But then after sort of several iterations of just <laughs> being in there for that long, I thought, what's so bad about a scythe? It's, <laughs> it's kind of cool. I'm frustrated with my father a lot sometimes. It's, it's a matter of like, especially when we're doing like common things like household chores or something like, I want to do things fast. He wants to do things right. And there's always inherent conflict in, in that because he wants to just like, he wants to take 20 minutes to set the stage and make sure that the right tools are Sharpen there. Sharpen the side. Sharpen the side. And I'm just like, what's the most efficient way to do it? I don't care if it breaks something or whatever. Let's just solve this. So, yeah, so I thought, gosh, I came into the shower, like, talking about scythes and how I, you know, want to mow the lawn in a quick way, but 
I came out understanding my relationship with my father a little bit better. And if you're driving through Portland the next couple of weeks and you see a guy with pruny hands trimming his lawn with a scythe, it's probably our own Andrew Harris. Andrew, thank you for tolerating an entire hour of showering here. <laughs> wow, Jason Rouse. I don't know what to... After that, what we do you do? We keep doing these experiments now where we'll yeah. have something that will run throughout the show, yeah. and it might be surprising to learn. We never know how they're going to turn out. No, and we do them a lot on Andrew. Yeah. Which... It's taking its toll. Yeah, he didn't seem no. like he was doing great. Most people think, oh, the shower, like, oh, I wish I could just stay in there all no. day. No. But we just saw what happens after an hour of it, and it's yeah. upsetting. Really upsetting. Did you learn anything else? I mean, I, I mean, just, I, I was back there a few times checking on him, and it looked like he had come back from a sort of, like, ayahuasca ceremony. I mean, yeah. he really went somewhere else. I mean, he's complaining of colorblindness and arthritis, and he was having a hard time. Like, I'm talking. I mean, it's very strange. He is supple to the touch. That's good. I mean, his skin is baby soft, so. There's you that. Know, there's, there's that. I mean, he was. Yeah, it's awful. You know what that is? That's that Dr. Bronner's magic soap for it's, you. It's really. Yes. He's seasoned with it. Yeah. Really well. What about you? He also now understands what's written on that bottle. Absolutely, you can recite trip. it by rote. Yeah. You, once you understand that, you can see beyond. I think that's yeah. what we learned. All right. I have a thermal blanket in my car. I'm going to get that wrapped around Andrew Harris. You all, thank you for being here. That's our show for the night. Everybody get home safe. We'll see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Our thanks to our guests, David Bronner, Will Hines, and Jason Isbell. This show is made possible in part by our sponsors, New Belgium Brewing Company, Whole Foods Market, and Ergo Depot. Hotel accommodations generously provided by the Hotel Deluxe. Robin Tenenbaum is the executive producer and co-creator of Livewire. Courtney Hameister is head writer and producer. Jim Brunberg is producer and member of our house band, along with Jonathan Newsom, Dave Jorgensen, and Ned Failing. Jason Rouse is associate producer and part of our writing team, along with Alex Falcone and Sean McGrath. Graham Nystrom is our technical director, house sound by D. Neil Blake. Lighting by Jillian Tabler. Special help this week from Sam Tenenbaum. Additional funding provided by the Regional Arts and Culture Council, Meyer Memorial Trust, the Oregon Arts Commission, the James F. and Marion L. Miller Foundation, the Maybell Clark McDonald Fund, the Oregon Community Foundation, Work for Art, the Multnomah County Cultural Coalition, and listeners like you fine people. For more information about our show or how to become a member of LiveWire, visit livewireradio.org. You can download our podcast.